Hello and welcome to the Lazy Book Club podcast, the book club for those who don't want to read or leave the house. My name is Matt Gonzalez. <laughs> it's David Cox. Uh, <laughs> I have no instrument and I feel uh, naked. Naked. Yeah, that works too. I'm Josh Matheson, instrumentless Josh Matheson. And this week we are looking at chapter four of Treasure Island. That's so right. we're working our way through it. This chapter, I believe, is called The Sea Chest. The very same. Now, last week we had a blind man turn up at the old Benbow Inn. Admiral Benbow Inn. Admiral Benbow Inn. Yeah, and yeah. I know it wasn't the old. I was just meaning it was an old Oh, I see. Not that it was actually old. Like the um, old Lazy Book Club. That sort yeah. of thing. It was and maybe it was a new build back then. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's yeah. only old to us now. Fair enough. Okay, I'll take that. Yeah. The Admiral Bembo in. And he kind of strong-armed, literally, Jim into taking him into the inn to see the captain. Mm-hmm. And what did he give it? Did he give him... He gave him the black spot, didn't he? Well, we yeah. didn't actually see it or... Did we? But, he, but well, didn't he put it in his hand? I thought he put it in his hand. Yeah. and then He the guy, put something he... in his hand, and we don't actually technically know what it is. Uh, okay. But the chapter, the, yeah, the, chapter the chapter was called The Black Spot. Was called spot, the black spot. So, yeah. Yeah. And then he kind of scarpered straight away, which was quite funny. He literally put the thing in his hand, and then went, ha-ha, and then ran out the and door. Like it down was the subpoena. street. Yeah. <laughs> You've been served. <laughs> and that was no, it. No, 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 no. scarpered. And then basically the captain went, right, I'm going to fight this, and then killed over dead. (laughs) (laughs) Which was a shock, I think, to everybody, including him. So the captain is now dead. Well, we currently find him lying on the floor, I think, don't we? Yes. And I believe, well, I guessed correctly for this chapter, just because I am also a snoop, and this would be the first thing I would do if somebody died in my inn. I would be rummaging through their luggage, particularly if they owed me money, um, and, you know, trying to see what secrets and what treasures they had. Particularly Mm -hmm. if they came in with a chest, there's going to be treasure in it or something valuable in it. Nahar. Chapter four. The (laughs) sea chest. Yeah, I'm going to keep doing that from now on. Thank you very much. um... Yeah, the semen's chest. It's the semen's chest. It's the semen, the chest of semen. Gross. I lost no time, of course, in telling my mother all that I knew, and perhaps should have told her long before, and we saw ourselves at once in a difficult and dangerous position. Some of the man's money if he had any, was certainly due to us, but it was not likely that our captain's shipmates, above all the two specimens seen by me, Black Dog and the Blind Beggar, would be inclined to give up their booty in payment of the dead man's debts. The captain's order to mount at once and ride for Dr. Livesey would have left my mother alone and unprotected, which was not to be thought of. Indeed, it seemed impossible for either of us to remain much longer in the house. The fall of coals in the kitchen grate, the very ticking of the clock, filled us with alarms. The neighbourhood, to our ears, seemed haunted by approaching footsteps, and what between the dead body of the captain on the parlour floor, and the thought of that detestable blind beggar hovering near at hand and ready to return, there were moments when, 
as the saying goes, I jumped in my skin for terror. Something must speedily be resolved upon, and it occurred to us at last to go forth together and seek help in the neighbouring hamlet. No sooner said than done. Bareheaded as we were, we ran out at once in the gathering evening and the frosty fog. <laughs> I love how in this time, not having a hat on was basically being naked. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, how we could ran you? into the night bareheaded. How scandalous! <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even have Over time to find a hat not? or a bonnet. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I think you did like. There were laws in, at one point about head coverings. Like you had to wear head coverings, and you're yeah. only allowed to wear like straw hats in summer. And if you wore your straw hat after summer, people would like take them off your head and stamp on them, and you had this walk of shame back to your house mm. without a hat on. Hatiquette, I think they call it. People were weird, yeah, just weird. People were weird. So they're obviously assuming that all these men are after the captain because he owes them money. Sure. Which is probably safe to assume, seeing as if all of you've known of a person is that they're not very good at paying on time, you would exactly, probably yeah. assume yeah. that you were not the only person that they were in debt to. And he's a dodgy this fellow. Is why we introduced interest on invoices because of this guy. <laughs> 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 the hamlet lay not many hundred yards away, though out of view on the other side of the next cove. And what greatly encouraged me, it was in an opposite direction from that whence the blind man had made his appearance and whither he had presumably returned. We were not many minutes on the road, though we sometimes stopped to lay hold of each other and hearken. But there was no unusual sound, nothing but the low wash of the ripple and the croaking of the inmates of the wood. It was already candlelight when we reached the hamlet. And I shall never forget how much I was cheered to see the yellow shine in doors and windows. But that, as it proved, was the best of the help we were likely to get in that quarter. For you would have thought men would have been ashamed of themselves. No soul would consent to return with us to the Admiral Benbow. The more we told of our troubles, the more man, woman and child, they clung to the shelter of their houses. The name of Captain Flint, though it was strange to me, was well enough known to some there and carried a great weight of terror. Some of the men who had been to field work on the far side of the Admiral Benbow remembered, besides, to have seen several strangers on the road and taking them to be smugglers to have bolted away, and one at least had seen a little lugger in what we called Kit's Hole. For that matter, anyone who was a comrade of the captain's was enough to frighten them to death. And the short and the long of the matter was that while we could get several who were willing enough to ride to Dr. Livesey's, which lay in another direction, not one would help us to defend the inn. They say cowardice is infectious, but then argument is, on the other hand, a great emboldener. And so when each had said his say, my mother made them a speech. She would not, she declared, lose money that belonged to her fatherless boy. If none of the rest of you will dare, she said, <laughs> Jim and I dare. Back we will go the way we came and small thanks to you, big hulking chicken hearted men. We'll have that chest open if we die for it. 
And I'll thank you for that bag, Mrs. Crossley, to bring back our lawful money in. I love that, that that accent is just perfect for chiding someone in. I don't know, like, when yeah. it, it's just it's just the best thing to tell someone. Because it's harsh, it. isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, it's it also just right ridiculous. It, and that almost makes the um, scolding even more, like, shameful. <laughs> yeah. You really feel it. And the fact that someone with such a ridiculous voice can make you feel this big is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine someone like, like she does it publicly. She comes up to you in Tesco's and do, does it. Yeah. And every time and then you're like, Shh, you're, you're a like, very naughty boy. She's this close to just like lying you over her knee and giving you a spank. Yeah. So basically what she's kind of saying there is, is that like, if you come and help defend the Admiral, Bembo, then whatever's in the chest, like we'll kind of share. But since you're not helping, we'll just keep it all for ourselves then, and yeah, we'll we'll have all the money ourselves, and you're all chickens. Okay. Of course, I said I would go with my mother, and of course they all cried out at our foolhardiness. But even then, not a man would go along with us. All they would do was to give me a loaded pistol lest we were attacked, and to promise to have horses ready saddled in case we were pursued on our return, while one lad was to ride forward to the doctors in search of armed assistance. My heart was beating finely when we two set forth in the cold night upon this dangerous venture. A full moon was beginning to rise, and peered redly through the upper edges of the fog, and this increased our haste. For it was plain, before we came forth again, that all would be as bright as day, and our departure exposed to the eyes of any watchers. We slipped along the hedges, noiseless and swift. Nor did we see or hear anything to increase our terrors, till to our relief the door of the Admiral Benbow had closed behind us. I slipped the bolt at once, and we stood and panted for a moment in the dark, alone in the house with the dead captain's body. Then my mother got a candle in the bar, and holding each other's hands we advanced into the parlour. He lay as we had left him, on his back, with his eyes open and one arm stretched out. If you had a body of someone you knew like a gang of pirates was going to turn up for him... Oh, yeah. Surely you'd just, like, put him on the doorstep outside. Do you know what I mean? Because then they'd turn up and go, oh, he's already dead. Like, and that's who he came for. Like, and then they'd yeah. leave the building alone, wouldn't they? I suppose a bit like when people put books out on their brick wall or, like, uh, <laughs> stuff in their kitchen. I'm Please done with that now. I've read it. <laughs> or... They've got loads of little cactuses they've been growing, and they're like, "Oh, please make sure you put your money in the pot." Just be honest. It's basically, it's basically an Facebook body. marketplace. <laughs> yeah, it's Facebook marketplace. Facebook corpses. marketplace. Yeah, yeah. Oh dear. Do you know we did that once? We had an aloe vera that was doing very well for itself, and had sprouted <laughs> lots of little tiny aloe vera, and so we split them into ten little pots, and we. Um, and we put it on the wall outside the house with a little note that said, hello there, neighbour. And they went within about half an hour. Of course <laughs> they did. You live in a very white middle class area. Mm. <laughs> I hope they're all doing well, wherever they may be. Oh, dear. My babies. <laughs> but no, you wouldn't, you wouldn't leave the body inside the house knowing that people are going to break in to try and get to it. Well, I wouldn't yeah. anyway. That would be the first thing I'd do. So that's going to be... start to stank within like 
two days. Well, and also, well, I mean, it depends. He is quite pickled, isn't he? He's he's like seventy <laughs> percent rum. To be fair, at this point, so yeah, true. He's a preserve in and of himself. Yes, exactly. He's in a pickle. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Draw down the blind, Jim. Whispered my mother. <laughs> that voice in a whisper is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's you quite can't do whisper. Actually. You really can't. Yeah. You're down the blind, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> You're down. I, ca- I can't do it with that raspy. You're down the blind. It's like Marge Simpson. Yeah. They might come and watch outside. And now, said she, when I had done so, we have to get the key off that. And who's to touch it, I should like to know. And she gave a kind of sob as she said the words. Oh, <laughs> Send it to old man Herbert. <laughs> Is that the kind of sob do we imagine there? <laughs> <laughs> I went down on my knees at once. On the floor, close to his hand, there was a little round of paper, blackened on the one side. I could not doubt that this was the black spot, and taking it up, I found written on the other side in a very good, clear hand, this short message. You have till ten tonight. He had till ten, mother, said I, and just as I said it, our old clock began striking. This sudden noise startled us shockingly, but the news was good, for it was only six. Now, Jim, she said, that key. I felt in his pockets, one after another, a few small coins, a thimble, and some thread and big needles. A piece of pigtail tobacco bitten away at the end. His gully with the crooked handle, a pocket compass, and a tinder box were all that they contained, and I began to despair. Perhaps it's round his neck, suggested my mother. Overcoming a strong repugnance, I tore open his shirt at the neck, and there, sure enough, Hanging to a bit of tarry string, which I cut with his own gully, we found the key. At this triumph, we were filled with hope and hurried upstairs without delay to the little room where he had slept so long and where his box had stood since the day of his arrival. It was like any other seaman's chest on the outside. The initial B burned on the top of it with a hot iron and the corners somewhat smashed and broken, as by long, rough usage. Give me the key, said my mother, and though the lock was very stiff, she had turned it and thrown back the lid in a twinkling. A strong smell of tobacco and tar rose from the interior, but nothing was to be seen on the top except a suit of very good clothes, carefully brushed and folded. They had never been worn, my mother said. Under that, the miscellany began. A quadrant, a tin catechin, several sticks of tobacco, two brace of very handsome pistols, a piece of bar silver, an old Spanish watch, and some other trinkets of little value and mostly of foreign make, a pair of compasses mounted with brass, and five or six curious West Indian shells. I've often wondered since why he should have carried about these shells with him, 
in his wandering, guilty and hunted life. In the meantime, we had found nothing of any value but the silver and the trinkets, and neither of these were in our way. Underneath there was an old boat cloak, whitened with sea salt on many a harbour bar. My mother pulled it up with impatience, and there lay before us the last things in the chest, a bundle tied up in oilcloth and looking like papers, and a canvas bag that gave forth, at a touch, the jingle of gold. So they've, they've found like a bar of silver, like a watch. And it's, well, I thought yeah. a bar of silver would be quite a good take, wouldn't it? But, I mean, the it, pistols alone would probably be worth quite a lot of money. Well, it says a piece of bar silver, so I don't really know what that means. Oh, maybe it's quite a small piece then. Maybe it's like a little... Yeah. Because there was a time when people would, you just, that's how you'd pay somebody, right? You just yeah, give you them just a bit of. It off. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. What, what's a quadrant? No idea. It's, isn't, it to me, isn't it? It's a navigational. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, one of those. I think you use it on the horizon. You put it on the horizon and you like. Put, isn't that like a separate? Uh, oh, oh, it might be wait. like a. Like a Oh, okay. It's almost like a protractory looking thing. Cool. What does it measure? A quadrant is an instrument that is used to measure angles up to 90 degrees. Different versions of the instrument could be used to calculate various readings, such as longitude, latitude, and time of day. It was the multi-tool of its day. Indeed. <laughs> There's an app for that. Yeah. <laughs> the Swiss Army <laughs> knife of I bet there is working a quadrant out where app. you are. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, they say pistols are quite expensive. I'm quite surprised that like they seem to be quite disappointed. There's, I, I would have thought there's enough there that they would have been able to sell well, yeah. some of it. It reminds me of certain like um, video games, like uh, like Skyrim or Assassin's Creed. Oh, you smash Creed open the little wooden chests. No, yeah, you, you like you, someone's dead, then they're just there. You've got no sort of like because it's a computer game. There's no sort of moral compass yeah. or moral quadrant in this case. Um, and you just like and you go for their tre- and you go for their treasure chest and you're like oh just some deer hide and some stuff like that and you end up just going through a whole house, just going through every single chest the whole time. So this is what I guess it would have been like. Mm, you can't just yeah. use a magnet to steal their card details or something. <clears throat> Well, the last thing they said, something like uh, the jingle of gold. So there you go. Hopefully there's something a little bit more exciting at the bottom. Right at the bottom. I'll show these rogues that I'm an honest woman, said my mother. I'll have my Jews and not a farthing over. Hold Mrs. Crossley's bag. And she began to count over the amount of the captain's score from the sailor's bag into the one that I was holding. It was a long, difficult business, for the coins were of all countries and sizes. Doubloons, and louis d'or, and guineas, and pieces of eight, and I know not what besides, all shaken together at random. The guineas, too, were about the scarcest, and it was with these only that my mother knew how to make her count. When we were about halfway through, I suddenly put my hand upon her arm. For I had heard in the silent, frosty air a sound that brought my heart into my mouth, the tap-tapping of the blind man's stick upon the frozen road. It he drew nearer heart. and nearer while we were sat, holding our breath. Then it struck sharp on the inn door. 
and then we could hear the handle being turned and the bolt rattling as the wretched being tried to enter. And then there was a long time of silence, both within and without. At last, the tapping recommenced, and to our indescribable joy and gratitude, died slowly away again until it ceased to be heard. Mother, said I, take the hole and let's be going for I was sure the bolted door must have seemed suspicious and would bring the whole hornet's nest about our ears, though how thankful I was that I had bolted it, none could tell who had never met that terrible blind man. But my mother, frightened as she was, would not consent to take a fraction more than was due to her, and was obstinately unwilling to be content with less. It was not yet seven, she said, by a long way, she knew her rights and she would have them and she was still arguing with me when a little low whistle sounded a good way off upon the hill that was enough and more than enough for both of us thank you do you think it was <laughs> <laughs> more than likely yes mm. <laughs> that's, that's never a good if you heard yeah. that's a good that's not one you want to hear is it no no I'll take what I have, she said, jumping to her feet. And I'll take this to square the count, said I, picking up the oilskin packet. Next moment, we were both groping downstairs, leaving the candle <laughs> by the... I knew somebody was going to smirk. And I could have guessed it would have been it's just the whole. Yeah, it's my favourite thing. A mother and daughter can't grope downstairs these days. That's what you were going to say, uh, isn't it? No, mother, mother and son. son. <laughs> A mother and daughter, mother and son, whoever. We could do Oedipus next. No, thank we, you. Sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the next, we had opened the door and were in full retreat. We had not started a moment too soon. The fog was rapidly dispersing. Already the moon shone quite clear on the high ground on either side. And it was only in the exact bottom of the dell and round the tavern door that a thin veil still hung unbroken to conceal the first steps of our escape. Far less than halfway to the hamlet, very little beyond the bottom of the hill, we must come forth into the moonlight. Nor was this all, for the sound of several footsteps running came already to our ears, and as we looked back in their direction, a light tossing to and fro and still rapidly advancing showed that one of the newcomers carried a lantern. My dear, said my mother suddenly, take the money and run on. I'm going to faint. <laughs> <laughs> She's good at planning. <laughs> She's good at schedule. This was certainly the end for both of us, I thought. How I cursed the cowardice of the neighbours. How I blamed my poor mother for her honesty and her greed, for her past foolhardiness and present weakness. We were just at the little bridge by good fortune, and I helped her, tottering as she was to the edge of the bank, where sure enough, she gave a sigh and fell on my shoulder. I do not know how I found the strength to do it at all, and I'm afraid it was roughly done, but I managed to drag her down the bank and a little way under the arch. Farther I could not move her, for the bridge was too low to let me do more than crawl below it. 
so there we had to stay my mother almost entirely exposed and both of us within earshot of the inn end of chapter so these guys have turned up very early they're um, it was like seven o'clock their quadrants obviously aren't working very well if they're meant to help you <laughs> tell the time classic nautical <laughs> callback there matt yeah this is just like, yeah, we'll see you at 10, and then they just turn up at 7. It's like very rude. They're not expected yet. Uh, there's no honour amongst thieves, is there? Mm. Very Cheer. good timekeeping, apparently. So mm. they're, they're just, what, lying on the bank, kind of, I'm imagining him under the bridge, and what, his mum just lying there with her legs sticking out underneath it or something. Going, like, oh, quite... I feel a bit faint, Jim. <laughs> You can tell a I'm man going wrote to this pay. woman, can't you? Because it's just like they're always pay, yeah. fainting. Like, yeah, I so wonder if it's the corsets. Probably, corsets. Oh, corsets. <laughs> <laughs> I do quite like the whole thing where he's like, I cursed her honesty and her greed. Because he's like saying, yeah. obviously, she wouldn't take more than she's due, but then she also wouldn't take less. So it's like I, I quite liked that kind of thing where it's like looking on both the plus side and the negative side of the fact that she was like wanting exactly what she was owed. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, th I thought it was all good. Second half of the chapter, the first half, I was just a bit confused. I don't really understand what they were doing running into the town and are they just like now too scared to go home? Is that basically it? And they want back. They, they were trying to get a militia yeah. together. They basically knew that this man and his group were going to come back. Right. So for the captain, so they were going around basically booty. trying to find men in the neighbours who would be willing to basically just be around to make these men who are coming think twice about causing trouble. Uh, okay, okay. Do you know what I mean? Because this is how like things were sorted back then. I'm I'm assuming there weren't very many constables or police officers. Quite a lot of the time, you know, there might be like one sheriff. And that would be it or whatever. I and mean, like, you know, in this yeah. town, it seems to be the doctor who's also the magistrate is the only kind of law enforcer in the area. So it would have just been the villagers with their pitchforks then? Yeah, basically. I think more than anything, it's just, you know, people are more likely to behave if there's a few burly men there who they know won't let them get away with behaviour that they shouldn't be doing. So, but unfortunately, they were all just wanting to stay out of it. You're saying Treasure Island wouldn't work in in a world where it was just policemen. They go off on a voyage and they just get stopped within a mile. They get stopped by um, Pretty Patel's border control immigration Oh, team. yeah. <laughs> it's at least getting exciting towards the end because there's lights and there's men turning up. So Swinging is this lantern. a good time to look at what our favourite game? Our favourite game? Well, yeah. yeah, absolutely. For those of you who don't know, our favourite game... Guess what the next chapter's called? Is it me? Creak, Am I creaking odds? underneath it. It's your evil. Well, you've always I'm been evil. Okay. David's the mm. odd one. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, let's call it um, the crew come a knocking. Mm. I'm going to call it that. Yeah, I'm kind of torn between, like, do I go for a group or do I go for an individual? I'm trying to work out if it's going to be, like, the pirate's attack or the man with one leg. I don't think the man with one leg turns up yet. I'm going to go with the pirate's attack. Okay. Um, I mean, you could infer 
that there's going to be some level of attack but really okay. neither of you are anywhere close because okay. chapter five oh. is called the last of the blind man oh. <laughs> is he going to die mm, it sounds just, like just it doesn't it take does he walk off a cliff he does mistake? live a pretty <laughs> He does live a, live a pretty miserable existence. He goes mm. everywhere, gives messages, and everyone's like, "Ah, look at this person! Like, Who are oh, yeah. you?" I was just thinking, like, I want to, I want to, I want to see it from his perspective. He's just like, I'm, I, mm. I don't do anything wrong. I've just been hired to like give this awful message. And when yeah. everyone comes, they're like, "Oh my god, what is it?" It's like, oh, it's just... an awful lot of this, ableism going on. Yes, this book has been what? very. You've had one guy who's like lost three fingers, and my god, he's so disgusting. One guy who's like blind. Oh my god, he's so disgusting. And beware the man with one leg because oh my god, he's so disgusting. Like it is very kind of anti mm. anyone missing any kind of limb or <laughs> body part i mean i don't know if this is meant to like be a sing sing um symbol of you know a debaucherous life or something because these guys are all pirates and that's how they've managed to lose their sight fingers legs respectively but at the end of the day in this time like most of dr healing thing was oh well it's turned black we'll cut it off Sure. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, people, yeah. I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people in the town who are missing some kind of body part. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Okay, so if if you had to lose one body part, which oh. body part would you lose? A little toe. No, that's such a cop out. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be full foot. You didn't. You didn't give an eyebrow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd lose an earlobe. Thanks. A tooth. Back, molar. Oh, no. A molar. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> wisdom teeth i'd be like bye yeah, bye felicia so you didn't you didn't put a size like a specific all right uh it's got to be at least as big as a grapefruit okay so that <laughs> my biceps <laughs> my biceps <laughs> your bicep is the grapefruit sized bit of you that you'd want chopped off well you you asked you know, yeah, people, I mean, I've seen them. They that... are tremendous. I think it'd be a foot. I think I feel like I feel like a fake foot would be easier to walk around with than like a fake yeah. hand. Do you know yeah, what I'm I mean? Because um, you, you, you could just if you got non... rid of your foot and just put your <clears> foot, it like just put the stump in a shoe. Like most people probably wouldn't notice. It's true. Because there's that comedian who hasn't got a foot and like no one knows until he literally takes his foot off and puts it on the table. <laughs> the Aussie guy, yeah. is it? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I think I'd go with foot. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm useless at football anyway, so yeah, what, what exactly. good is it and doing down there? And all the rest of yeah. it, so I wouldn't miss it much. My no. left foot. <laughs> Always the strong, strong. My right. The right one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good old Family Guy reference there. If you've got any thoughts or opinions on what body part you'd like to get hacked off, then let us know at, <laughs> on the at gmail.com. Or if you'd like to tell us what's in your chest, you could tell us on Twitter <laughs> at Lazy Book Club Pod. We didn't talk about his chest. Oh well, not one pair of underwear. Yeah. Not, not a sing, <laughs> not a single pair of bloomers. No, um, what happened to all the yeah. stockings he's been buying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's what I was hoping for. Like this, like Frank Furter, like just lingerie kit. <laughs> yeah. <in his> chest. <laughs> Um, and if you want to see the contents of Matt's chest, well, then just uh, send us a Tell message me on Instagram at <laughs> lazybookclubpod. <laughs> 
We're also on Patreon, where for the very small fee of $3 a month, you get an extra episode every month and access to the videos of these, where you get to see Josh in all of his glory doing the accents, as well as our lovely illustrations for this book as well. So we will be doing next week, what was the title again? I can't remember. The Last of the Blind Man. The Last of the Blind Man. The Last of the Blind Man. Well, let's find out how the blind man gets killed off. Next week, we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.